This all started in museums and galleries. Now it's in classrooms, in country towns. This should not be here. It's a human being in a box. This is the stuff of empires. There is a great betrayal. We're not slaves, we're African. It's the stuff the British stole. I just don't believe that. It just does not stand up. From ABC Australia and CBC Podcasts, six brand new podcast episodes for free worldwide, available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. That's the sound of construction in downtown Calgary. It's not a new build. This work is being done on an office building, turning it into residential housing. It's the kind of development we could see more of, particularly in places like Calgary, that have seen an exodus of office workers from the commercial core in recent years. In a new report, the Canadian Urban Institute says converting underused office space to housing could be part of the solution to the housing crisis. Mary Rowe is president of the Canadian Urban Institute. Mary, good morning. Morning, Matt. This report was about the state of cities, particularly downtowns, which, as I said, have emptied out. There was a stat that in the first quarter of this year, something like 17.75% was the national office vacancy rate across this country. What should we do with all that empty space? You know, normally a a healthy vacancy rate would be about 10%. But as you know, post-pandemic, we're seeing different patterns in work. And so I think part of what we're talking about in that report, in a previous report we did called The Case for Conversions, is about how you uh, support uh, downtowns and commercial office districts to become more complete neighborhoods, which means uh, introducing different kinds of uses. I'm speaking to you from lower Manhattan in New York, and 20 years ago after 9-11, exactly what they did here. They made a decision to introduce housing into a part of the city that had been dominated only by office use and wasn't very vibrant. And now it's a 24-7 neighborhood with lots and lots of vibrancy. So that's the opportunity. It's not just about addressing housing shortages. It's also about creating different kinds of uh, vibrancy and mixed uses in parts of our cities that were dominated only by one use. So there's something like 50 million square feet of empty office space, or there has been uh, over the course yeah, of... Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a conservative number. A I conservative mean, I number. So how much of I that, how much of that could be turned into housing, do you think? Well, we think, I mean, first of all, numbers are complicated because there's leases that are being not being renewed. So those are true vacancies. But then what we have is lots of leases that are still active, but they're not occupied. As you know, you know from your own experience, when you go and visit people that are working in, in office environments, mm-hmm. it's often very sparse. So I think the the point, we what our studies have shown us is that about 10 to 20 percent of the available uh, empty office stock uh, is is convertible. So it's not a silver bullet for housing at all. No, no, no. But what we're saying is be smart, be be imaginative about how we can creatively, adaptively use spaces that are already built and they're great assets. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these buildings across Canadian cities and you don't want to have them lie fallow. You want to figure out what the new purposes could be and housing is one of those alternate adaptive uses. How do you go about doing this? Governments are now seized in part because of the the scale of this crisis with addressing the housing issue. So what should governments do to try to to move this transition along? Well, there's a whole bunch of things that need to be done. And I know that you're going to speak to Calgary, which has Mm -hmm. become the poster child for this. uh, They're the early adopter, but they also had a jump start because they had uh, 400 empty office floors before COVID. And they've been at it for 10 years trying to figure out when again, 
very good example, a downtown that was was dominated by one industry use, oil and gas. And when oil and gas decamped, suddenly they found themselves in a pickle. So over time, they developed really the best programming across the country. And that includes tax incentives. There are zoning changes that need to be made. Part of it is just encouraging the commercial real estate sector to work with designers. I know you're going to talk to Gensler, and they're one of the best, about how we use spaces differently. You know, when you In the intro, when you said convert your cubicle, oh, you know, I could feel the back of the hair of my neck back because, you know, cubicle is not exactly the most uh, uh, attractive work environment that we created in the first place. So I think this is the point is that governments have to look at what the obstacles are, listen to the industry. One of the things that we found is that it's often smaller developers, mid-sized developers that tackle this. They're willing to take it on. Also, if there are certain buildings that are more well-suited to conversion. So let's start with the ones that are easier. We have cities across the country, Halifax, Ottawa, and Calgary, uh, Regina, have already started to do some. Mm. And we learn, you know, that we learn every time we do them. So point, there, point to a success story. Give give us a sense of one building that, that you think has worked when it comes to this. There, there are a couple of key buildings in the city of Ottawa um, where they've been able to take a 12-story building uh, and that was, a, you know, I've, I've stood in front of it. It's a, a fairly straightforward building. And, you, you know, they were able to take that and take the floor plates. You'll hear the designers are going to talk to you a lot about floor plates uh, because some are more amenable to this than others. And they'll talk to you about where the H HVAC systems are and all that kind of thing. But I don't want to single out only one because every building is going to be different. And that's the whole point is that there are opportunities to do this in particular kinds of ways. There are, there are fancy words for it, brutalist uh, designs, low rise, this kind of thing. But there are, it, there's no typical one only typology mm. but you don't want to go look at an 80-story building and say to yourself oh let's do that the the other thing i think we should be thinking about is the solution to this these assets may not only be housing it may also be post-secondaries can go in there maybe there's some uh, res student residences that can go in there what about cultural uh, performance spaces maybe some light manufacturing so it's all about i think for governments to be really creative in terms of imagining what are the obstacles that are standing in the way of mm. doing something interesting just before i let you go we're going to head off to calgary but you, you mentioned you're in lower manhattan right now what are the knockoff effects of this yes you may be able to house more people but you're also going to change the complexion of, of the downtown core right yeah, we can't be afraid of that. You know, it's called more people doing interesting things. <laughs> you know, uh, in lower Manhattan, I don't know if you've ever heard this anecdote, but Ken Greenberg, who's a frequent guest on your show, uh, went to Jane Jacobs uh, uh, and said, you know, they're going to put housing in lower Manhattan. And Jane said, it'll never work. Nobody's ever going to want to live down there. And afterwards, of course, what happened is they released the zoning. They created some incentives to convert these commercial buildings. And People came to mm. live down here. Now you've got parks and now you've got amenities. And 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 Ken went back to Jane and said, Jane, uh, look, uh, people love it. And she said, well, of course, life is right. And that's the critical thing here. You're introducing more life, different kinds of living uses. And so last night when I wandered around after my meetings, you know, there's all sorts of people on the street because there are people living down here now. Mm. And that's so critical to the vitality and vibrancy and safety of urban neighborhoods is lots of people. And that's what this is providing us with an opportunity to do, to repurpose these buildings, to put more people in them 24 seven in different kinds of ways, not just nine to five working at the office. Mary, good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Okay, Matt.
Mary Rowe, president of the Canadian Urban Institute. She mentioned the city of Calgary. A lot of people are looking to Calgary for ideas as to what to do with their emptying office towers. It has become in many ways a poster child for converting vacant downtown spaces into housing. Natalie Marchette is the manager of development and strategy with the city of Calgary's downtown strategy business unit. Natalie, good morning to you. Good morning, Matt. You had a 34% vacancy rate at one point in time. What did that get you thinking about when it comes to the future of the downtown core in Calgary? Well, as your previous caller alluded to, um, our problem began back in 2014 when we saw the significant drop in oil prices. So our downtown was largely built to support the oil and gas sector. And when that recession hit, the downtown core started emptying out pretty quickly. And what we realized was this recession was different than other ones that we had seen and the market was not going to come back the way it previously had. And that sparked a conversation with the city of Calgary and our development industry partners around what is the role of the city in addressing this crisis and what do we need to do to bring building owners to the table to think about doing something differently with all of this space? What did you do? How did you get people to think differently about, about that empty space? Knowing that the the office market was not going to return to the volume that um, downtown Calgary had been built to support, we we knew that you know bringing bringing in new office workers wasn't the solution. It really was around repurposing space, um, and we also had decided at that time that this was a real opportunity for Calgary to reimagine what the future of our downtown could be. And we wanted a downtown that became a complete, thriving, resilient community. And that means diversity of use. And so with the opportunity of all of the vacant office buildings, we wanted to find a way to bring in residential. Again, as your previous caller mentioned, having having residents living in the area is key. It's key to vibrancy. It's key to safety. Um, and so we began those conversations about what would it take for empty office buildings to convert into residential use. What was the biggest challenge that was in front of you? Well, financial. Mm. Um, So these are very complicated projects to do. There's a lot of risk involved. We landed on offering a rate of $75 a square foot for every square foot being converted to residential from office. At the time, that worked out to about 25 to 30% coverage of the just the construction costs. And then right after we launched, we launched in September of 2021, right after we launched is when we saw inflation go up and interest rates go up. And so financing has become another challenge, um, the ability to, to get financing, the cost of borrowing. And so even with our incentive, we're seeing that that is still a challenge. How has it worked? How many housing units have you created from those empty office buildings? So to date, the city has invested in 13 downtown office conversion projects, and we have four more that are in our pipeline right now. So if all 17 go forward, they collectively will be removing or repurposing 2.3 million square feet of vacant office space and will be delivering over 2,300 new homes for Calgarians. One of the things that's part of the story is that there aren't requirements on those developers to provide affordable housing. That, for many people, is the pinch point of this housing crisis, that they simply cannot find anywhere in this country, I was going to say in major cities, but in this country that they could afford to live in. Why not that push for affordable housing as part of this? 
So at the time when we brought this forward again in 2021, um, we were laser focused on the downtown crisis. As you say, at our peak, we were sitting at 34% vacancy rate. That was 14 million square feet of vacant office space in our downtown core alone. And so that was the crisis at hand. And that was the piece that we wanted to stay laser focused on was the removal of office space, the repurposing of that space. And so we intentionally kept this incentive program simple. We talked internally about adding requirements like affordable housing or uh, climate mitigation measures, but we decided to keep it that the requirement was as simple as converting office space to a different use. And I think from that simplicity is what has driven the huge amount of success that the city of Calgary has seen through this program. Now, having said that, I will say that many of our projects are actually delivering um, affordable rental. So a lot of our projects are accessing CMHC financing through the avenue of of providing below market uh, rental rates. And so through that, there will be a lot of affordability built in. The other thing I would add on the affordability piece is we know that conversion projects will be offered typically at a lower price point than new builds in any case because these are older buildings. They're, you know, they're not, they're not new build. Um, and so you're going to see lower, lower rentals across these buildings. And the key part too is these are all rental products. We don't have any condo um, residential conversions coming forward. Hmm. This is really interesting. We're going to talk about how this works, but I can imagine that your phone rings off the hook with people around the world wondering how you're doing what they would like to do. <laughs> yeah, it's been busy. Um, we've been we've been talking to cities across Canada, across the States, and even internationally about this program. So um, there's a lot of interest in, in conversions right now, hmm. and it'll be interesting to see what other municipalities come out with. We hope that others see the value and can get a program supported by their, um, by their councils. Thanks for, te- thanks for telling us about what you're doing in Calgary. Thanks so much, Matt. Natalie Marchett is with the City of Calgary's Downtown Strategy Business Unit. Amina is an activist during the Arab Spring. Her blog, Gay Girl in Damascus, attracts readers from around the world. When she's mysteriously abducted, her followers mobilize, desperate to save her. What they find shocks them. I'm Samira Moyedin, the host of Gay Girl Gone, a new six-part series from CBC. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Converting an office building into a residential complex can be a complex thing to do. Dwayne Render is an architect, regional adaptive reuse co-leader at Gensler Architecture and Design Kennedy's with me in studio. Good morning. Good morning, Matt. Okay, when you think about this, when you see an empty office space and you decide that maybe there's a residential potential for it, what do you look for? Oh, there's a, ver- there's a, there's a variety of things we look at. You know, to start... Um, you, you, you look at the physical characteristics of, you know, being an architect, that's, that's where we usually start. But other things that you also need to consider is, you know, property value, convert, uh, cost to convert, construction costs. But none of that really matters if you don't have a building that really suits the ultimate end use, which is residential. So what works and what doesn't, just broadly? So, so broadly speaking, from a physical point of view, if you have floor plates that are too large with 
a lease steps that are too large. And a floor plate means what exactly? Um, uh, basically, the, you know, if you imagine if you walk into an office building, you go up to the 12th floor or whatever the case is, the actual floor that you stand okay. on, the space that you occupy. So if that floor plate is too, uh, too large, you're not going to be able to fit livable units into them. You know, it's going to be highly inefficient. It's going to, at the end of the day, impact the economic feasibility of the of the uh, uh, venture of the project. What are some other things we have to think about? Because again, where you work is different than where you live. And I think of, I mean, I'm in an office right now. You know, the utilities are kind of cl- cluster around one area. There's washrooms off there. If you lived here, you might have to share a bathroom, for example. There's not a lot of light in some areas. How do you think about those things? Yeah, absolutely. You know, th- th- there are so many different things to think about. L- let's start with your question around the utilities. Um, we generally take the route or take the approach of replacing all of that because... You have to put new plumbing in. New plumbing, new drainage, new water supply, uh, new mechanical systems, because often the buildings that work best for conversion are buildings that have systems that are end of life anyway. If if you look at some of the buildings that Natalie was speaking of of in Calgary, they're relatively old. A lot of them are pre-1980s, so a lot of the systems have to go anyway. And ultimately, like we say, the use and the way you use a residential building is just so different to how you use an office building. One other thing that, that needs serious consideration is the facade. If you have an end-of-life curtain wall, for example, which is all glass, that doesn't necessarily suit your residential application, especially in today's day and age, where sustainability and um, uh, um, uh, carbon emissions is such a serious consideration. Are these nice places to live in? I mean, I think, again, it's part of it is a failure of imagination, maybe, um, that you work in a place and you can't imagine ever living in the place aside from maybe sleeping under your desk. Are these nice places to, to, to live in when they're done? Absolutely. You know, we have a, we have a few projects that in markets uh, are de- de- demanding uh, top, uh, uh, top rents, you know, really best in class products. Mm. You know, um, if, if we look at one of them, uh, we completed a project about two years ago in Philadelphia and uh, it's best in class. It is very highly desirable and fully let, fully let, a rental building, of course. And then on the other hand, like Natalie was also saying, depending on the buildings that you look at and converting and their value and construction costs and so on, you can also create uh, affordable housing at the other end of the spectrum. So there is a, a myriad of opportunities available to us to create different types of housing to suit all different uh, uh, parts of the market. How expensive is this to do? Because again, you could imagine people saying, well, just take the building down. If it's near end of life, take it down, rebuild what you actually want to build rather than converting something. Yeah. It's, a ver- it's again, a very good question. Um, I think Mary was saying um, the buildings have different characteristics and there's different considerations in all of them. So you could have construction costs for a conversion range from uh, let's pick a percentage, 50% of your ground up residential construction cost. So if you're building a brand new building, it maybe cost around 50% of that. And that can, that can range all the way up to 70 and 80% of the cost and sometimes even more than ground up residential mm. cost. And that comes down to the product that you're starting with, the office building that you have. How efficient is it? What kind of facade does it have? What's the existing mechanical system? How much parking does it have? So there's so many different things to consider. But the point is you need to find the right candidate in order to convert for the right price. Because all of, not all buildings are suitable. Again, we go back to the statistic of, of how much empty office space there is in this country, 50 million square feet or something like that. Not all of that is suitable, right? 
Absolutely correct. You know, um, and what we did uh, a couple of years ago, well, four years ago now, we built an algorithm to help us analyze buildings for conversion compatibility. Mm. And we have to date analyzed over a thousand buildings across North America. And that information has showed us that on average, and this has been quite consistent as we've been building our data, 25% can physically work as a conversion. So, you know, just off the bat, um, if there's if 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 we've got fifty million fifty million square feet of vacant space, you know you're looking at about twenty five percent on the upper end. But then you need to also bring in construction costs. You need to bring in property value, and that percentage drops a little bit further. We're just a bit out of time. But when you take a look at all of that, in the midst of we keep using this phrase a housing crisis because it is a crisis. People don't know where they're going to live. How big of a dent do you think this will make in that crisis? So you know, t- touching again on what I was just saying, um, looking at our data. Across the Canadian market, uh, on the lower end, we can create 50,000 units very quickly. And that can go up from there, depending on market conditions. So while, uh, as Mary was also saying, it's not a silver bullet, but can form part of the solution to our housing crisis. Really interesting to think about as people perhaps are headed into work or sitting in their office right now and wondering where all of their coworkers are and wondering what's going to happen with this space. Dwayne, thank you very much. Thank you. Dwayne Render is the Regional Building Adaptive Reuse Co-Leader. Gensler, what do you think of this idea? Is it perhaps something that you're already seeing in a city like Calgary or elsewhere, uh, or something that you would think we should consider in the face of the housing crisis? Let us know. You can email us, thecurrent at cbc.ca. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.